0: Welcome to Triumphants Podcast with Pastor Perrin, preaching on the Word of God. From Matthew chapter 25, beginning at verse number 31, I will read from the English Standard Version. It reads like this. prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me, naked, and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison, and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, truly, I say to you, as you did not do, to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. This is the word of God for the people of God, and we say thanks be to God. Brother Curtis, can you get me one of those pencils over there? I need to write a note down, jot a note down real quick. This morning I would like to title our sermon from this text, I would like to title it, Singing More. Thank you so much. Seeing more. Y'all pray for me <clears throat> this morning. Somebody shout out real quick, maybe you can put it in the chat, just say more. Close to six years ago, Lady Key and I were blessed with the opportunity to be able to take a trip to Scottsdale, Arizona, the Phoenix, Scottsdale, Arizona area. <clears throat> it was for our 10th anniversary. And while we were there, we did a lot of great sightseeing. Uh, Lady Key, when we go out of town, she, she makes me visit a lot of the local tourist attractions, even though I would like to stay in the bed and sleep. But one day, we even made a four-hour drive up to see the Grand Canyon. What a marvel that was to see that one day. But I'll never forget one adventure that we took, and it wound us up on a mountain that was 5,000 feet tall. But it was the drive down this mountain that I will never forget. As we began to descend to drive down this mountain on State Route 89A, there were these road signs signs that I'd never seen before. There were road signs, I'd just never seen any road signs like this before. The road signs were indicating that up ahead we were about to encounter some rather sharp turns. I've come to learn that those sharp turns are called hairpin turns because they make such such sharp turns. I didn't know that what they were I didn't know what they were because I would never seen anything like that before. Here on the East Coast, they say that we have, mount, um, we have hills, not mountains, because the highest elevation here on the East Coast is just 6,800 feet, I believe. And so this mountain, it's not even one of the highest mountains in the West, on the ranges of the West. It's 5,000 feet in the air. So these are mountains. These aren't hills. And so as we began to go down this mountain and drive down the back side of this mountain. We weren't able to drive any more than maybe 10 miles per hour, definitely no more than 15 miles per hour, as we literally wound our way back down to the valley on the back side of this mountain. But not only were there t- were the turns extremely sharp, but the thing that got me was that on one side of the road, there was this really sharp, deep, steep, drop-off, that had you made a mistake, you would have fell over in that cliff to destruction and disaster. And while as unnerving as it was to travel down that windy road with all those sharp turns and with that steep drop-off to the one side of the road, you know what I was happy for? I was happy for those road signs, <laughs> I was happy that the road sign was there because the road sign had let me know what was coming ahead. And because I saw that road sign and I'd heeded the warning of the road sign, it was letting me know that what was coming ahead, I could handle it, and it would not be a tragic end if I would pay attention to the road sign that was telling me what was coming ahead. Because there was that road sign that was letting me know that was what was up ahead, I was able to slow down, and I was able to carefully navigate our way down that mountain. But not only did those road signs help me to know what was ahead so that I would slow down so that I wouldn't drive our car off the cliff, but also because of those road signs and because I had slowed down, And because I knew what was coming ahead, we were also able to see some of the most breathtaking sights we have ever seen. At one point, we were driving so slow that we literally just stopped in the middle of the road to take in the gorgeous view of the Verde Valley that we saw. It was unbelievable, breathtaking view that we got to see. But had we not paid attention to the road signs, not only would we have missed those scenic views, but we also would have plunged off the side of that cliff to our destruction. See, when when we started this discourse in the Olivet Discourse several weeks ago, beginning back in Matthew chapter 24, verse 32, each week our passages have been alluding to this day when Jesus is going to return, this judgment day. And over and over again, we've been hearing Jesus reiterate that no one knows when this day is going to arrive. But Jesus assures us that he is coming back again. And he lets us know that, that because we know what he's coming back to again, he lets us know what to expect He lets us know that we can expect that he will come back back again, even though we don't know when to expect it. We do know what to expect. And so he's very clear about what's coming ahead. In fact, listen to what Jesus says in chapter 24, verses 29 through 31. Y'all pray for me. It says, immediately after the tribulation of those days, you got to go back to chapter 24 now. We're not in chapter 25. The sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will will fall from heaven and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory and he will send out his angels angels, with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the earth of heaven to the other. And what we see here is that Jesus has clearly let us know what's coming ahead. He's let us know that he is coming back again. But because we don't know when it will happen, what Jesus has been emphasizing is that we need to stay awake and be ready for whenever it does happen. Because it will be when we do not expect it. Perhaps it will even be when we least expect it. And so what we've seen in this discourse is that through several parables and Jesus' teaching over these past few passages, we've learned from Jesus that as we await that day, and as we stay ready and awake as that day is quickly approaching, that what we do while we await that day will not only prepare us for that day, but it will also prepare us for more here on earth as well. That if we would live our lives here right now on earth in light of knowing what's ahead, that we can expect more right now. That if we... Take the caution and the signs of what's coming ahead, that we can prepare for more, even in this life we're living right now. That we can know that we have been set up for more. And I also believe that we can see more. Somebody say more. But unfortunately, y'all, many of us who call ourselves Christians, we don't live much with heaven in view anymore. We clamor for the comforts and the conveniences of this transient world more than we do to long for the blessed rest of that eternal world. By God's grace and God's help, he wants us to, to help us align our hearts to what is ahead. He wants us to align our hearts to what is ahead so that we are careful not to plunge ourselves off into deep destruction because we haven't paid attention to the scriptures that is telling us what is ahead. The scriptures has given us a sign to let us know what is ahead. But are we going to see that and adjust our lives accordingly or are we going to ignore it and fall into deep destruction? The idea of Jesus' return—it comes to an emphasis here in these few verses of our passage that we're looking at this morning. And while there will be some surprises when Jesus comes back, as He separates His sheep, um, separates the sheep from the goats, as there will be some surprises, I want us to know that for those of us who are believers in Jesus Christ, His return should not be viewed with dread or fear or dismay. For believers, the day that Jesus comes back is going to be a glorious day. In fact, I want you to listen to the illustrious and spectacular and glorious language that is used here to describe that day, beginning at verse number 31 again. It says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels With him. Then he will sit on his glorious throne. Can you see it? It says, Before him will be gathered all the nations of the earth, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. See, as believers in Jesus Christ, we should long to see Jesus coming. We should long to see him clothed in his glory and in his majesty. We we should long to see him riding on that cloud that at the trumpet's call, he will be sitting on his glorious throne with all of the angels around him. We should long for that day. It's going to be a glorious day. As I was preparing, I was like, how do I get people happy and excited about this day? And I don't know what to do, what to say for you, but if you would hear the language of this text, it's telling us it's going to be a glorious day. And I want you to listen what's going to, what's going to happen on that day. I want you to listen to what he is going to say to those of us who are going to be on the right side of history on that day. He is going to say to us, come, come, you who are blessed by my Father, come. And I hope that you hear that special invitation as Jesus offers us the invitation to be with him eternally and for forever. He's saying, come. Do you you hear him saying, come, come? And listen, listen to where he says to come. He says, come and inherit the kingdom. Inherit means that we get to gain and receive that which we have not attained or achieved. When you inherit something, when your father or your parents leave you an inheritance, it is not something that you have worked for. It is something that you get because of birthright. It is something that you do not merit. It is something that they leave to you out of their niceness and their kindness. And what he is saying is that we get to receive the inheritance of the kingdom Because of the righteousness of the king who died in our place in order to provide our access to that kingdom. We get to inherit the kingdom. We get it without paying for it. We get it without earning it. We get it without achieving it. We get it because of Jesus' righteousness. And it says that, come, inherit the kingdom. Inherit the kingdom, listen to this next word, prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Listen, God has been thinking about you for a long time. His thoughts are for you, and he has been preparing for you what you cannot begin to fathom for yourself. In fact, he's been preparing it from the foundation of the world before you were even conceived or before you could even conceive of anything good for yourself, God had you on his mind. God, the great preparer, was preparing for you when he said, let there be. God has been preparing you for that day. He's been ordering your steps He's been guiding your feet. He's been leading you so that you will be ready on that day. He says, come, inherit what has been prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Y'all, it is going to be quite a day, and we should long for that day to come. We should long for that day to come, not dread its coming. Reverend Dr. Gardner C. Taylor told a story of how one day he and his daughter Martha stood at the back of a great sanctuary facing the altar. And all of the lights in the sanctuary were out except for one small candle that was lit in the front of the sanctuary right behind the altar. And as they stood in the back of the um, of the sanctuary in the shadows of the sanctuary in the back, his daughter edged close to Dr. Taylor, and she said to him, "Dad, I'm afraid." He told her, "You need not be afraid, because this is God's house." And as they began to walk forward and got closer to the light, his daughter said to him, "I'm not so afraid now as we get closer." See, yes, fear ought to fill us when we are far from God. But as we get closer to him, we don't see a frown on his face, but we see a smile on his face. His fists aren't clenched as we get closer to him, but they are outstretched, welcoming hands. He wants us to come close to him, to speak before his gracious and glorious throne in the inmost desires of our heart. Y'all, it is not dangerous to be in God's presence. It is a safe and pleasant place. God's word has told us what's ahead. It's told us that he's going to say to us, come, inherit what was prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So there will be some surprises on that day. For those who have never trusted in Jesus' work they're going to get a rude awakening and surprise. But for those of us who have believed what's ahead, we can know that we will not plunge ourselves into destruction if we've been careful to believe that what's ahead is true. Do you believe that the scriptures are telling you what's ahead is true? Are you going to slow down? Are you going to pay attention? See, not only... If we see what's ahead and see it as glorious, not only will we not plunge ourselves into destruction, but if we're careful to pay attention and believe what's ahead is true, we will also see more along the way. In fact, this is how Jesus describes those who will inherit the kingdom. He says that the kingdom folks, the kingdom citizens, the ones that will be welcomed in, those folks, they will be characterized as those who saw something and thus they saw to do something about what they saw. Those who are the kingdom citizens, those who get welcomed in into the kingdom, they will be those who saw something, and they saw to do something about what they saw. They will be contrasted against folks who saw something and did nothing about what they saw. Let me show it to you in the text. This text, you need to know, reiterates this idea of people who saw people hungry but did nothing about it. Or saw people hungry and then did something about it. They are it's repeated four times, this idea of being hungry and then being thirsty and then being naked and being a stranger and being sick and in prison. It's re- repeated four times. But those who are welcomed into the kingdom Here's what it says in verse number 37, the righteous will answer him and saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. See, they are the ones who saw something and did something about what they saw. They saw to it that they would do something about what they saw. But if you jump down to verse number 44, the other folks will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or strange or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, truly, I say to you, as you did not do to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. Here's the thing is that they both saw the same things, but only one group of people saw to do anything about it. As I read that and think about that, I can't help but thinking about one of our sons at home. When we ask him to go get something for us and we tell him exactly where it is and he comes back and he says, I didn't see it. And then we go to the exact same place and what is it we see right in front of our face? Oh, folks, you say it like this. If it was a snake, it would have bit you. <laughs> see, see, these two groups of people, they see the same thing. But one does something about what they see. And another one does nothing about what they see. The lesson here is that if we see something, we should do something about it. The lesson here is that if we see a need, we need to see about trying to help with that need. The lesson here is that if we see something, we shouldn't turn a blind eye to it. The lesson here is that those who are part of God's kingdom, they have kingdom glasses that allow them to see something and that they would decide to see to do something about it. We can't turn a blind eye. We have to decide to do something about it. I don't know if you've ever been to a 3D movie where you go into the movie and you have to get what's called 3D glasses in order to see what's on the screen. Because if you don't have these glasses on, everything looks blurry. I remember going to the movie with our sons one time, and one of them said they didn't want to keep the glasses on, and they watched the whole movie in blur. Listen, that's how many of us are navigating through our lives. God wants us to put on his kingdom glasses. He wants us to see the concerns that he sees in this world. And he wants us to attend to the needs and the concerns that he sees. He wants us to see about the things that he sees is needed. Matter of fact, I believe that more of us need to pray that God would open our eyes that we would have eyes that we may see as he sees, and that we would see about attending to those needs as he would, that we would see things beyond our own needs and our own aspirations and our own ambitions, but that we would see about what he wants us to see. See, the thing that we need to know is that these people, they when they, the two groups of people, it is what describes their life while they're here on earth. It is not what gets them into heaven, but it is that they are demonstrating and they are showing that they are kingdom citizens on earth and that they have been changed on the inside because they see things and they see about attending to those things. How often are you concerned with those who are not as fortunate as you? How do you plan to use what God has given you to aid those who are the least in our society and our communities? Or are you going to use everything that you have just on yourself? Are you turning a blind eye to what, how you could serve the needs of somebody else because you're just trying to only be concerned with your own needs? See, what the passage is picking up here is that those who do not, those who do nothing, those who look away, they are similar to those um, who on the in the parable of the Good Samaritan, the priest and the Levite, who walk down the road and they see the man that has been beaten up, but they pass by on the other side. Because for whatever reason, maybe they're in a rush to get to their next appointment. Maybe they think that they'll be unclean if they go to help. But they turn a blind eye to the person that is in need. And the question is, is will you see that need? And will you see to it to do something about it? Are you only looking out for yourself? Are you only looking to make a profit that will be advantageous to you? Or do you have your eyes peeled to see where you may be able to bring some benefit and some help and some relief to somebody else? See, we have, we have just come out of an administration who saw needs of people at the border. And instead of helping them out, locked them up in cages. But not only do we have an issue with the people at the border, but we also have people who ignore the issues and the needs of those who are across the river and who are across the water. And that's what God's church needs to be. Those who see people at the border, those who see people across the river, and those who see people across the water, and that we would see about attending to their needs. Can you see more? Or can you only see what you need? Can you only see more for yourself? Or can you see about the needs of somebody else? This passage is intended to help those of us who believe in Jesus, those of us who we know we are kingdom citizens. It is to help us keep our eyes peeled to see where can we be found seeing that after the needs and the concerns of the less fortunate. Who do you need to cash app right now? Who might you need to write a note to right now? Who might you need to check on right now? See, it says that when he was a stranger, we welcomed him. How do we treat the immigrants, and the strangers, the aliens around us. Stranger here is from the Greek word that we get the word xenophobia from. Those who are different than us. How do you treat those? Do you keep them at arm's length, or do you welcome them? How do you view those who are in prison? Do you know that their souls matter to God? Do you know that they are made in the image of God? Yeah, see, see. yes, we, we might want to feed the homeless, and yes, we might want to clothe the homeless, but listen, there are so many needs around us, but if we're only seeing to our own needs, we are falling short of why God has us here on this earth. If you've never been pricked to be concerned with those who are the least of these in our communities, in our society, if you're only consumed with your own kingdom, something isn't quite right inside of you. And what we often end up doing is we hope that somebody else will do what we should do. Have you ever heard of the clever young man named somebody else? There's nothing this guy can't do. He's busy from morning to way late at night just substituting for you. We're asked to do this or we're asked to do that. And what is our ready reply? Get somebody else to do that job. He'll do it better than I. So much to do in this weary old world, so much, and workers are few. Somebody else, all weary and worn, is still substituting for you. The next time we're asked to do something worthwhile, just give this ready reply. If somebody else can give time and support, my goodness, so can I. Become a servant and watch what God would do for you because he can also do it through you. You'll discover it's more blessed to give than to receive. What kind of servant are you? See, many of us, we are so busy majoring in the minors of life and minoring in the majors of life. When it's all said and done, you would have gained this whole world. And what will you have to show for it? See, this passage is it, it is not trying to condemn us. No. It is condemning the folks who decide that they're not going to heed the warnings of the sign ahead. That they're not, that they're gonna decide, you know what, I know Jesus is coming back but I'll get ready when I see him crack the sky. No, you need to get ready right now and knowing that he's going to crack the sky and knowing that what's on the other side is better than what we have here, I'm going to use my time, I'm going to use my energy, making sure that I don't just see about my own needs, but that I see about the needs of somebody else as well. Another thing about this passage that is so striking is that The two groups of people were surprised to find out what their service or lack of service meant to Jesus. Those who were welcomed into the kingdom, they were surprised to find out the significance of their service to the king. They didn't even know that they were were welcoming the king or that they were clothing the king, that they were giving the king something to drink. They said, when did we see you sick or in prison visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. But the others, they're going to be surprised too. They're going to say, well, well, wait a minute. Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty in verse number 44 or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? That word minister there is the same word that we get diaconess from, meaning deacon or to serve. When do we see you and not serve you? They will see the significance of them not doing something. Some will be surprised about the significance of their service, and others will be surprised at the significance of their lack of service. And this lets us know that those who are surprised at the significance of their service, that they weren't doing it in order to make their way into heaven. They were doing it with pure motives. See, that's the question that we all need to examine and ask ourselves. As I do good, am I doing good for my glory or ultimately for God's glory? Am I doing good so that I can be put on shine or am I doing good so that God can shine? See, when they are surprised at the significance of their service, it is letting them know, us know that they didn't even know that what they were doing was for the glory of God. That's why Hebrews chapter 13. I need to turn there so I don't lose my notes. Hebrews chapter 13 says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. See, we we never know that person that we walk by and ignore. That that might be God himself. And we are presented with the opportunity to serve God. But we look the other way. Completely unaware. See, as we start this new year, I want us to expect more. I want us to prepare for more. I want us to know that we have been set up for more. But I also want us to keep our eyes wide, open, and awake so that we see more. There is more to be done. There is more to serve. There are more people to serve. There is plentiful work for us to do. But what are we going to do? Are we going to heed the sign? Or are we going to ignore the sign and plunge our way into destruction? I hope that you hear this seriously and somberly. Because on verse 41, it says, He will say to those on His left, Depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Yeah, I haven't preached this much on hell in a long time, but week after week, we keep revisiting this idea of hell. And verse number 46 says, and these will go away into eternal punishment. Y'all, hell is real. And like I told you last week, we don't want to live life going through hell to wind up finding ourselves in hell after we've lived through hell all our life. What the scriptures do for us is that they lift up for us a sign to let us know what's coming ahead. And in light of what's coming ahead, will we demonstrate to be those with pure motives who serve when we see a need. It will be on that day that those who find themselves into eternal punishment, they will not be those who have done something wrong. It will be because of what they failed to do It will not be a sin of commission. It will be a sin of omission. And we have people in this country, in the church of America, who are so focused on the things that we should not do that they never engaged in the things that we have been called to do. And you have of lopsided Christianity when you are only focused on what you should not do. Because we need to be just as focused on what we are to do. Because it will not be what they did wrong. It will be what they failed to do right. As we start this year, I want us to keep our eyes wide awake. I need to urge us as a church triumphant from the promptings of this text that we got to get after it this year. There's more service for us to do. Yes, even during a pandemic, there are things that we can do to serve the least of these among us. And as we start on this year, as I have told you to expect more and to prepare for more and to know that you've been set up for more, I also want the scriptures to prompt us to open our eyes so that we see more. There are opportunities for us to serve more. We have celebrated, rightly so, this past week and the weeks prior of an election as a result of us coming out to the election polls in the black community like we never have before. But I want us to know that it does not stop at the polls. There is still more work to do post-election. There are still people who have needs that we need to attend to. And I want to tell you, Triumph, and I'm encouraged though. I'm encouraged because this past December, November, I'm encouraged that Thomas Stone Elementary School reached out to us because there were needs of their students, needs for clothes and needs for toys and, and needs for other things. And they, they thought that we would want to do something about it. We were able to bless close to a dozen different children, not because of anything that we went to look for. They thought of us and they said, oh, yeah, that church down the street, they want to do good in the neighborhood. And so they called us and asked us, would we be willing to help meet this need? And yes, we did. Many of you don't even know about it because once it came to the office, Sister Crystal sent it out to a couple of people and they said, yes, let me get all over top of that. I'm also encouraged because when our county was looking for churches to partner with to distribute food to seniors in our neighborhood, they thought to call us. They thought that we would be willing to get on the ball and see about that need, and indeed we did. Month after month, we corralled people together so that we could serve our seniors in need. I'm encouraged that when there was a need to get souls to the polls, that we were able to provide the resources and the manpower in order to take people so they could go vote. I'm encouraged I'm encouraged that when we ask for gifts for Angel Tree so that we can support the families of those who are incarcerated, that we were able to this year raise more money in donations to support those families than we ever have before. I'm encouraged about it. But I also want to urge us that there is more work for us to do. there's, There's more that we need to see so that we would serve more. And... I want us to know this, that I want the triumphant Baptist church to continue in the vein of the historic black church. The historic black church has been the church that serves those who are the least of these among us, those who are disfranchised, those who are marginalized, those who no other people see. The black church is the church that sees them. And like I read, In a tweet a few weeks ago, there is nothing that can replace the black church. But as we understand the significance of our institution of the black church, we have to remember that we've got to corral our energy and our resources together so that we can do more. We have slacked up. We have slacked up. And even though we support the Black Lives Matter movement, we The black church did not step up soon enough and such that the Black Lives Matter movement had to raise up because we were not where we were supposed to be. And so what we have to do is that we have got to maintain and we've got to preserve and we have to continue the legacy of those who went before us, those who would, say, who, would, who would forego their own pleasure, pleasantries in order to serve locally in their local church so that local church can do good in the community. We can stay spiritually conservative and still be socially concerned. It's this reality that led Pastor Raphael Warnock, who just won the Senate race in, Atlanta, um, in Georgia, the state of Georgia, to write the book, The Divided Mind of the Black Church, because he understands that the black church, we have a commitment to scriptures, but we also have a commitment to do work socially. And so we must continue in this work. There is more work for us to do. And so I need to urge us to step up and to take the initiative to volunteer If you want to do it locally in your local community, that's fine. But just yesterday, by God's, no, on Friday, by God's grace, Sister Rochelle Durant, who runs our social justice ministry, she sent me a text. She said, Pastor P, there are these things that people who um, who are part of the social justice ministry responded to the survey said that they wanted to get after them. they wanted to see about immigration. They wanted to see about helping those, um, um, helping bring justice to those in prison and all these other things. And she said, "Can I, can I start on those?" I said, "Wait a minute. I want to give people on Sunday a chance because the sermon on Sunday, the text on Sunday deals ex- exactly with that." And so today, I want you to send them an email. The email address is church.org. Volunteer, take the initiative to be a part of these initiatives that we're going to get after this year. I also want to encourage you that even this week, God prompted me that there are some people right in our own church that can use some help too. And so, as we prepare to take up our offering today, There's one person in particular in mind that I want to bless their socks off. And as we take up our offering today, everything that you give to the special offering for this special offering is going to go to this person. And I'm not going to tell you who it is. They're going to get it in in the mail, and they're going to be shocked and surprised, but I want to bless the socks off of them. Galatians 6 and 7 says, Do not be conceived, deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever person sows, he will also reap, because the one who sows to his flesh will reap destruction from the flesh, but the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. Let us not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. But here's the verse. And therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all and especially for those who belong to the household of faith. And so I want you all to give today. Put the note that it's for the special offering, and we're going to bless the socks off of this person. Because this year, as we go into 2021, as we're expecting more in 2021, as we are preparing for more in 2021, as we know that we have been set up for more in 2021, I want us to see more, and I want us to serve more in 2021 as well. There's work for us to do, and we've got to stop waiting for somebody else to do it. We've got to step up to the plate and say, here I am, oh God, here I am. When we do that, we will know that we are a part of the righteous who will inherit Eternal life. Thank you for listening. If you would like to know more about Triumphant Church, visit us at thetriumphantchurch.org or you can contact us at three zero one. Five five nine two two zero zero.